Hello, everyone. Welcome to Awaken Your Soul's Journey, the podcast that explores the transformative power of grief. I'm your host, Angela Clement, and I'm here to guide you on a profound journey of healing and self-discovery. Each episode, you will be introduced to experts, authors, and individuals who have experienced grief firsthand to share their stories, insights, and wisdom. Together, we will explore many facets of grief and shed light where there is darkness. Throughout this podcast, we will explore different tools and techniques that can support you in your healing process. From mindfulness and meditation to creative expression and spiritual practices, we will provide you with a diverse range of resources to help you navigate your grief. Whether you have experienced a tremendous loss or simply want to gain a deeper understanding so you can support someone else, this podcast is for you. So if you're ready to embark on this awakening journey with us, make sure to subscribe. Together, let's explore, learn, find healing, and embrace the transformation that awaits us. Hey everyone, today on this first episode of the podcast, we're going to be discussing grief as a collective experience. We'll talk about how grief can bring communities together and foster empathy and compassion and collective transformation. And it's through supporting each other through grief and having these kinds of conversations that grief becomes something that we can embrace rather than run from. Kevin is the Director of Education for the Horizon School Division, with its central office located in the community of Humboldt, Saskatchewan. Mr. Geringer spent three years on the board of the Humboldt Broncos Junior A Hockey Club, holding the position of president of that organization at the time of the tragic bus accident that claimed the lives of 16 of its team and staff members, including his billet son. Mr. Geringer was deeply connected to the team members and the families impacted by the crash, and his leadership was focused on helping the team, families, and community through the aftermath of that tragedy. He currently sits on the executive of the Canadian Association of School System Administrators and is a governing board member of the School Superintendents Association in the United States. Mr. Geringer is also a founding board member of the Canadian School Mental Health Leadership Network. He has always been a strong advocate for mental health awareness and effective response for children, families, and staff. And I cannot thank my special guest, Kevin Geringer, enough for having the open conversation so that you can benefit from his compassion, his understanding, his insight, and his wisdom. Thank you, Kevin, for being here today. I am so excited and happy to have you join us. Uh, I know that the viewers are going to get a lot of information and wisdom from you. And so thank you and welcome to the series. Yeah, thank you so much, Angela. And uh, I, I too, I'm looking forward to this opportunity. And and uh, I, I know that there's a great deal of of strength that I've I've gleaned from other people's stories. And so hopefully there's a little bit that people can find in in what I share as well in terms of helping them. Yeah. 
Well, thank you. And I thought, well, we'll just start out by you just telling a little bit more about yourself and what it is that you do. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I guess first and foremost, I'm I'm a father and a grandfather of of two um, little girls. I had three little boy or three boys as as a father, and now I have three little or two little girls. So that's been extremely exciting. Um, of course, I, I'm also, I work as a director of education with Horizon School Division, a position that I've held for just about 10 years now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's been really a, um, one of my passions, of course, has always been to support youth, support our children, um, engage with them in terms of supporting their learning and, uh, and who they are as people. And so that's been a real passion for me. And I, um, Prior to that, I was a, a teacher for a number of years and a principal and and uh, and a superintendent in Alberta. Um, prior to this, we're also that's been sort of my professional journey. I've, I'm just in the process of completing my doctorate um, in education, so that's been another part of my journey and and learning and growing as I uh, in, in this profession. And um, outside of that, I've been a passionate uh, sports enthusiast, obviously. Hockey has been a real passion for me. Um, I had a son who played four years of university hockey, a nephew who's played in the NHL, um, other family members who have played in in the NHL and that sort of thing. So I've always had that passion for hockey, but fast pitch softball has been a real area where I've been um, very blessed to have been uh, fortunate to compete at at international levels. and, And I've been involved in, um, in a real love of baseball. And that's another area that I am very passionate about a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, um, Pittsburgh Steelers fan in the, in the, with the NFL. And of course the Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan. So that's kind of a little bit about me and, and my background. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that you, you know, I, I did a little research and I seen that you have actually a weekly newsletter for your division, which I think is amazing. You know, I think that's fantastic that you have those kind of um, connections with your people and you take that time to to do that. So, yeah, it's amazing all the things that you have going on, you know, all the balls that you have in the air and how you're keeping them all going is amazing. So wonderful we all have we all have a lot of balls in the air that's for sure (laughs) they just look a little bit different and maybe sometimes some people have maybe a few more um that way but but yeah it's been uh communicating with staff and and uh doing those types of things when we have a thousand people in our school division it's it's pretty important and so i do that on a weekly basis and and i and uh i know people appreciate knowing a little bit about what's going on in in the school division outside of you know their area where they're working and so that's been something I've been really really passionate about as well is just keeping up that ongoing communication yeah yeah well I think it's fantastic so the whole premise of this particular episode is just about bringing how grief can bring communities together and how it fosters empathy and compassion and um, really collective transformation. Mm-hmm. And so I know that, you know, with with the Humboldt um, Broncos bus crash and that tragedy and and you were, you know, in a position where you probably didn't want to be, um, but yet uh, 
this whole experience had a real ripple effect on um, not only just your community, but our province and our country and actually the world. And I know you have stories about um, how that that impact has been. Um, so I'm hoping you could share a little bit about that. Yeah, by all means, you know, Angela, going back to when um, the evening of, of April 6, 2018, and reflecting on that evening, it was really uh, the start, I think, of of um, what I saw as, as a real, um, I guess, in some ways, transformation, but certainly a real collective uh, focus on, on people getting together and working together and trying to address what was, you know, one of the worst sports tragedies in the history of our nation. So um, I remember being in Edmonton, my, my nephew um, was in intensive care. Um, he had, was having mental health issues and, and struggling and he's doing very well now, but, but um, uh, my, my sons had saved his life. And, and uh, so it was a very difficult time. And I took off from, from Humboldt uh, Thursday morning and, and was in Edmonton with him and my brother and his family and my mom and dad and, and um, my sons. And uh, it was at that time then that I, I received a call from one of my st uh, board members who was a nurse who just indicated that there'd been, the, she heard there was a bus accident and it was just right around five o'clock. And I said, well, I haven't heard anything. So I tried making phone calls, tried to find out what was going on. And, and of course, fast forwarding, obviously we, we know what transpired and, and 16 people lost their lives. But on my way home from, from Edmonton then, because I, I drove immediately home uh, to Edmonton, leaving my nephew with, with my brother and his family and everybody else who was there. I, I just remember the the importance of coming together. And first of all, the board coming together, recognizing we had this need to, to ensure that our families were okay. Mm -hmm. um, that we tried to, and, and we knew they weren't gonna be okay, but just tried to help in whatever way we possibly could. And so we started organizing things, not knowing exactly who had passed away which was extremely difficult on all of us and, and obviously on those families. But really, I guess that collective support piece that was really important right away um, began at that time. And uh, it transferred into then work with the city and uh, the mayor and his office and, and bringing together a, a group then that could look at how we're going to deal with this tragedy within our community. And seeing and, and recognizing as I arrived in Humboldt late that night, uh, recognizing just how big an impact it was. Obviously, in the middle of trying to deal with things as a leader, you you just become an overfunctioner and you just start trying to just deal with what what's happened and what's transpired and just look trying to look after those who are in your care or those who you want to. Um, so obviously support in some way and it was like I said very clear just how big the impact was on the community I didn't understand the impact globally or or you know across the province but it certainly was was something where as soon as I arrived at the rink that night um, 
you could see very clearly just how big an impact it was going to have on that community. And then ultimately, as I soon found out on the pro on the province, on the, on Canada and really across the world. And so that became, uh, I think as leaders, we, we, we dive into those, um, that area of trying to focus our attention on helping others. And I think that's one of the things that I, I learned in my journey was uh, as, as we're doing that, it is always important, however, to make sure that we look after ourselves in that. I think, you know, I travel on airplanes like most of us do and, and listening to the flight attendant tell us that we're supposed to put our own masks on before we help others. You know, or put the put you know help others put them, their masks on, and I think that's really critical. And it's something that was a lesson I had to learn sort of after the fact. I think initially it was just pour my entire energy into trying to make sure others were in a position to be with their families, um, with their children who may have passed or who were um, injured, and ultimately then to. Um, I guess to uh, try and look after some of the media issues that were going on, and and again, you you didn't realize how big it was, but it it obviously uh, was a very significant situation, and and I think like I, I say that, and I I recognize that you know eventually sixteen people passed away, and so and it was a bus tragedy, and it was in a sporting community, and and in a sport that is really in so many ways a national sport in Canada. So I, I understood that this was going to be massive, but um, I guess in the middle of it all, you were just so focused on that tight group of, of looking after those people who were most close, I, I guess, closest to that, to the accident, the fa the immediate families, the billet families, um, and, and just trying to pour your energy into into everything you could for them. So I think that's where, where we started. And, and, uh, and again, the city was, was very instrumental. I mean, uh, in, in helping to support the work that needed to be done and in trying to begin the processes of coming to some understanding about, about the grief that was immediately to follow uh, the, the loss that everyone experienced. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, I I remember from my perspective watching you and and because you ended up being, you know, a very prominent face in all of that. And, and so as I watched the media and I was watching you and I was kind of putting, I remember putting myself in your place and and just wondering how, you know, I would be able to ever handle something like that. And, and I just looked at you with such awe and how you had the compassion for all of these people um, and that you were able to lead the way that you did. And I'm just wondering, like, what helped you through that? What helped you face those, those initial days, especially? Well, yeah, it, it's, uh, as the president of the organization, it was interesting, Angela, because I always said to Darcy, I said, you know, I'm, I'm the leader of an organization and, and, uh, and I need to be the face of that organization. And, and as, as the head coach and general manager of, of the Broncos team, that's what I, I, you know, I encouraged Darcy to always be that. And he, and he was, 
and he was the face and, and the voice and everything else behind the Broncos. Uh, I was the president sitting in the background and just trying to support him in the best way I could. So to have to then sort of take on that responsibility um, in the face of tragedy was certainly not something like you said that anybody would ever want to do. It certainly wasn't something I wanted to do. Um, it was a position that I, I was involved with as a volunteer. And so that became my, my, um, the reason I guess why I was cast into that, into the role of being in front of the media and that sort of thing. But, but I do know that, uh, in, in working through that, I remember multiple counseling sessions that we had as collectives with the board and others, um, with people who could talk to us and help us kind of ground ourselves and, and uh, because it was very, it was obviously a very emotional time. Mm -hmm. And I was very grateful for the city. There was a, a room where you could go and there are things that people, you know, you just um, in the middle of all of that, uh, obviously it was very emotional. And I would, I was given this opportunity to go and, and sometimes just go into this dark room and sort of shut the door and just kind of try and ground myself in my own emotion and and that sort of thing, which was very helpful. And like I said, the fact that there were people there to help support and and to support others who were feeling pain and and going through the the significant grief that people were feeling, I think was just such a a, a, a an important process. I remember at the time I, I had a phone call from the deputy minister, Rob Curry, and of education. And and Rob reached out and and uh help me uh, be able to coordinate uh, 55 counselors who showed up in, in Humboldt literally overnight mm -hmm. and to help our students. Um, you know, our, our kids were impacted in a very significant way. They lost friends. They lost people who they looked up to, who read in their classrooms, that sort of thing. And so having that support group in place was really vital. Uh, Kevin Cameron, most people... Lots of people in education know who he is, certainly in policing and some of those areas as well. And Kevin uh, was a was a good friend of mine, and I've done work with him when I was in Alberta, and also in Saskatchewan. And so, when he heard and the ministry had reached out to him, he immediately just called me, and uh, and we talked. And then he, of course, as well, was on site and uh, part of the support component that was able to help deal with what was, like you said, a, obviously a very, very difficult time for so many people. And so that was, you know, just getting those people around you, um, the board members who were just passionate about hockey and supporting the kids and the team, but getting, you know, having those people um, who were at the table at that time, it was just, um, you know, it was incredible to have those uh, the 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 support mechanism that was in place for for each other, but but obviously for for so many others who um, they were <clears throat> obviously the families and uh, billet families and everybody else, the community, they were a big part of of really kind of organizing things. I remember Kathleen Keene was the nurse I was speaking about who was on the board, and she was the billet um, coordinator as well, and. I remember Kathleen, uh, she was 
involved in having to deal with the personal belongings of all the athletes because after the bus crash of course everything had to be um cleaned it was a very obviously a you know very significant uh there were lots of things that happened that way and so kathleen had everything cleaned had everything organized had everything numbered and named and so and nobody could come in with taking anything without having to sign for it so if somebody's wallet was there she they had to sign off on it didn't matter who it was and i remember the police going in and and they were part of it obviously too they were significant and so were the fire department and all the emergency services were just so amazing through all of that uh, again it took a, a significant provincial level or or even beyond that team to deal with things and i was just a small small part of it but but i remember the the police coming in and, and saying okay, we need to know what you're doing, Kathleen, in terms of managing all of this. And when she showed them, they they were just flabbergasted. They could not believe what she had organized and how she was making sure that all the family uh, belongings and that sort of thing were looked after, right from hockey sticks to wallets to clothing to suits, that sort of thing. Everything was taken care of just in such a meticulous and an important way. And again, it was the fact that she was a, a nurse and had such great training in a different number of different areas that really led to her ability that way. And, and um, so there were, like I said, a lot of people, the, the entire board uh, who was involved, who really just, you know, put away their, all everything that they were needing to deal with and, and really dove in and, and help support. And then, and then that's when the, the outside um, organization started to uh, really lend their support. I remember getting a phone call from now a, a good friend, uh, Mark Chipman, who is the owner of the Winnipeg Jets, and he wanted to come in and he wanted to give us, um, you know, a, a donation from a 50-50 as well as jerseys that uh, were worn uh, that had Broncos on the back of them when Chicago played them uh, that night. And, and so people like that who um, and and so many others, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Toronto Blue Jays, the I mean, it wasn't just baseball or, or hockey. I mean, it was um, it, it extended to all sorts of organizations that really just wrapped their arms around Humboldt and around the, the families, the community, uh, all of us in a lot of ways and helped us kind of keep us up through all of that, which was really important uh, as it turned out didn't realize at the time. I mean, you're just trying to organize things. Um, it, it was amazing. The Memorial Cup was in Regina that year. And um, and their organization uh, and committee wanted all the families to come to their opening event. And so, you know, you, you're doing that and you're helping support getting flights organized and hotels and, and everything else. And in the middle of all of it, um, you don't realize, but it was so important to have those people be together um, and for us to be able to collectively um, be together and talk and, and those types of things as, as, we, as we needed to. And so um, those were important times and, and those supports were so critical. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that you've shared that. 
have some kind of feedback happening here. <laughs> I'm not sure what that's about, but but I'm glad that you shared that because um, it, it, we don't realize that in the moment, how important that is, how important that group support is. I always thought that, you know, I was one of those people that, um, you know, very introverted. And I thought when I lost my husband that I would just want time alone. And you do to a point, but then you need the support and you can feel the support from, from the people around you. And that was one piece that I just never realized how important um, that really was. And then, you know, there's the whole piece of, you know, yourself and, and the community in that grieving process and at the same time, under the watchful eye of the world, which would have added a different type of pressure, I think, to that whole situation. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 you know, it's interesting when we lose a loved one and we all have. Um, I, I lost a grandson uh, just prior to birth um, recent, fairly recently. And I know you, you lost your husband and so many people lose people and and it's not such a public sort of loss in so many ways. And so that is what became um, challenging. But at the same time, it I, I also know that for families and, and many others of us who were very close to the people who passed away, um, I also know that that the the collective grief that that uh, we all experienced actually brought people, even closer together, some of, some of whom really initially didn't really know each other very well. They became very, very close. And we started an, uh, an, organ, uh, an opportunity um, that was in relation to just a, a WhatsApp group. And that WhatsApp group was really powerful um, in terms of being able to let people communicate. And it's still going today. Mm -hmm. um, th they're still involved in that way. And communicating and sharing um, what is going on in their lives or in their families' lives. And, and I know that they get together a fair bit. I see some of them once in a while. I, my own billet son who passed away, his, uh, his parents, you know, I, I still maintain a, a close connection with them. I, it's not as close as I'd like it to be, but, but, um, or, you know, we don't see as, each other as much as I'd like, but, but uh, at the same time, I mean, we're a long ways away from each other, but, but it is something, though, that, you know, we've, we've really, it really brought people together. And, and I think as much as it was very public and, and you know, uh, it's one of those events where you remember where you were when it happened, when you heard about it, right? Um, the fact is, is that uh, being that so many were going through the same sorts of things actually was probably in so many ways, a, a, a very positive thing, as opposed to having to try and just deal with it internally, as you would have maybe had to do. I mean, you'd have your, you'd obviously have your family around and that sort of thing. But um, in this way, you had so many people who had endured the same thing. And I think that's what you're, you're doing with your, with um, your podcasts is you're bringing people together who have experienced similar types of losses and, and that sort of thing. And because of that, they're able to find some strength in that. And uh, I, I always say, I don't think you ever find healing. I think you find strength and you learn to build yourself up and build resilience in, in ways that you're able to deal with your life then 
because at times like this, uh, you know, it's, it's very difficult to to understand and ultimately to to work through on your own. And 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 I think that's where having groups and what you're doing um, is extremely powerful. And um, so I, I, I certainly recognize that that was part of the, part of the strength piece was not only the, the community of those who are most deeply connected to the loss of, of so many people, but also the, the greater community that, like I said, in so many ways, wrapped their arms around those people and humbled and, tried to just in in a lot of ways help us um, with our own strength so that we could endure the the next stages in, in grief that were certainly um, you know just around the corner in a lot of ways. So very grateful to all those organizations and all those people individuals who reached out and helped us. Uh, as I said, it was a an important time to and again you didn't realize that then but you certainly realize it now that it it did help with your strength and help with the processes that you knew you were going to go through as you grieved uh, the loss of so many people but um yeah it was uh like i say i, I know that it it I, I do still believe that that everybody is on their own journey people are at different places with their grief and i certainly am at a different you know at a different place than others may be and some of that is in relation to just what you're talking about the ability to have the supports in place and to have people around you who understand and can help you when you're at your lowest. And, uh, you know, I have lots of great days today, but I still have some low points and some difficult times where you're kind of trapped in that, in that area of grieving. And, and uh, again, I'm grateful that I have people who are around me. I know that one of the, one of the coaches who passed away, um, um, assistant coach Mark Cross was a close friend of my son's and I remember leaving Edmonton and my son saying dad what about Mark right and mm -hmm. I had no knowledge of what what had happened with Mark but nonetheless um, just the fact that he is also he's now a captain in a fire department and and we we share that common understanding as well of losing people who are close to us and being able to kind of wrap ourselves around each other that way. I think in so many ways we were extremely close, but I think in, in a lot of ways it even brought us closer. So uh, it's those types of things, like you said, it's really critical. I know that you have to find those supports and, and opportunities like you provide that you provide um, through your expertise, as well as the podcast, I think is really critical in our world today and necessary for so many. Mm, yeah, I so agree because we often don't talk about it. It's not a topic that we tend to just have conversation about until it's actually happened to us. And even then sometimes it's hard to get people to talk about it because we don't know how. And, um, it, it, yeah, it's, it, it, I agree. That's why I'm doing it. <laughs> well, and it, it, like I said, I'm, it's such, it's such important work. It, it's interesting when you talk about your personal story, Angela, because at that time, and I know that a lot of people don't know this, but uh, at that time, right in, in the month of April, 
we not only had the the Broncos tragedy, but we ended up having three suicides in our system. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, uh, a, a car accident that killed um, two two students, one from our school division and one from a neighboring school division. Uh, and and we had the loss of of other people, including one of our chiefs from our First Nations that we were close to, all within that month. And I think about, um, I remember calling and talking to the mother of the of the young uh, person who passed away in the car accident, just outside, not far from one of our schools um, in the evening. And I remember talking to her and hearing her grief and recognizing how, um, you know, just hearing how she was, you know, feeling such loss and, and going through the grieving process. And, and I remember just thinking how, how much, per, how much more personal that was and, and uh, how much more public the, the Broncos accident was at the time. And, um, and I, I know that, uh, you know, as I, as I thought about that, um, it was really critical to be thinking about their family and um, what they were enduring, as well as the other families who who lost loved ones in that month, um, it was really critical to to be thinking about them at that time and realizing just how impactful their grief was. It wasn't public; people didn't necessarily know even about it. But at the same time, it was still in the same way just um, their their personal grief story, just like you have. And uh, so uh, I think that's something that I also learned very quickly was just that uh, this was a, a significant tragedy in our nation's history and, and we'd all take it back for, you know, in a second, but, um, and even for a second more give back everything that, that transpired, but at the same time, just realizing that you can't, and that others are going to continue to endure significant loss. And I think just trying to make sure that if there's anything we can do to try and help them as they deal with what they're dealing with, um, realizing it's probably much more private than others um, we're dealing with, I think it, it's still really uh, important that we reach out and we help in whatever way we possibly can. And and I do know that uh, you know that family and all those families were we're experiencing the same forms of grief, the same form of loss. It just looked a little bit different, obviously. Um, but that, uh, that that whole process of grief is the same for people. Uh, again, like I said, the journey might look a little different, but all the elements of grieving are certainly there. And so that's been a, a process of, of uh, understanding that I quickly came to realize as well through this. So... Um, and then I, I think too the impact that happened so globally. I, I was mentioning as well that even those who were not as close to the accident, uh, in terms of the humble Broncos accident, were still grieving and were still experiencing um, the loss that was felt. And and I'll just give you a, a quick story on that. I was doing my a doctoral course um, down in Virginia. And um, I remember 
I was driving back to Richmond from Lynchburg and I, we had gone to a supper with a, with a colleague and, and on the way back, uh, I drove through this area. The GPS kind of took me on a, on a different sort of route and ended up going through this area that was kind of like, you can imagine sleepy hollow, like, you know, it's <laughs> 20 mile, 20 or 30 miles an hour and the trees are all overhanging the, the road. And it was quite a, peaceful yet kind of eerie kind of drive and you, and when you got through it it opened up into the interstate then and was on the interstate and was driving you know a little over 70 miles an hour which I thought was the speed limit and I got pulled over by a, a sheriff and, and the sheriff came up and they were looking for a black SUV I was kind of driving a crossover it was black but I guess there was a an impaired driver who was weaving through traffic and Anyway, they pulled me, he pulled me over and he said, well, I know it's not you, but I'll take your license and just run your license quick and sure. So he came back just a few minutes later, Angela, and he, he said to me, he said, Mr. Geringer, how you all doing up there in Humboldt, Saskatchewan? And this was a sheriff from Powhite County, Virginia, who there, there's no hockey in that area or anything like that, but they have children who ride buses and um, who are passionate about their own um, experiences and things that they're involved with, like band and other sports and those kinds of things. And he stood at my window and talked to me about for 15 minutes about the impact that it had on him and his and, and his entire community of Powhite County. And so it was it was quite a it, it was then that I realized as well just how global it was. I mean, it was in the was in the media in Japan or China, pardon me. Um, it was in the media all over the world. I know that uh, um, that there was, uh, you know, there were sticks out for Humboldt, you know, all across the globe in a lot of ways. Things that I didn't know about until um, later, but things like Jersey, you know, Jersey Day across Canada. I didn't know that was happening even when it was happening, but that's, you know, you're in the middle of trying to help and deal with everything that's going on. And so, you you know, you don't see what what's happening in the media or, or otherwise, but, but certainly understand that it had a significant impact. Like I said, everywhere that way, I, I would be at different events. I was at a baseball game in Pittsburgh and had people come up and are you, are you from Humboldt? And then, you know, because they'd seen me in, in the media. I remember when I was doing a doctoral class at the time um, of the accident. I was um, just about three weeks into the course and I reached out to the professor and I said, I don't know that I'm going to be able to complete this class. And he was in uh, uh, Florida and he said, Kevin, he said, I think you need to withdraw from this class. He said, that he'd seen me on TV in Florida for crying out loud. So, I mean, that was the nature of how global it was. And, and uh, of course, he kind of saw it through the media involvement in Humboldt, right from the New York Times to the BBC to, to um, obviously media across our, our country as well. And so it was, uh, it was a major um, event and it and it impacted so many and I think what I realized through that and I think is really important is that everybody 
um, has their own personal stories. And tragedy impacts everyone and no one can ever challenge anyone in terms of how they're feeling. And I especially related that to how that um, impacts our students. Uh, there would be students who really didn't know the Bronco players or know anybody from the team that way, but they were impacted. And you can't question the, how they were impacted because of what they have experienced in their own life. And I think that is something else that's been a real major um, understanding that I've come to is that everyone has their right to grieve in the way that they need to because of what they've endured and what they've um, experienced in their life. So uh, like I said, whether they're in Powhite County or in Humboldt, Saskatchewan, it doesn't matter. Everybody, whether you are tightly connected or not, you you have a right to your own um, feelings of loss and and of grief and how that tragedy or or tragedy in general impacts you, loss impacts you. And so we 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 really need to encourage people and allow people to to have that opportunity that way. Um, and uh, especially our youth, we have issues that happen in our school division. And recognizing that that these youth are maybe they're not connected, but there's some connection to something that may have happened in their lives, and therefore being respectful and, and honoring that, and being ready to respond and, and support in whatever way we need to is really critical. And uh, you know, we we've had like lots of school divisions and lots of people. We've had significant loss over the you know since the tragedy you know people passing away for in different ways and um and just recognizing that that can have a uh, a major impact on on people i know that the bus accident that happened in manitoba um it had an impact on on lots of people including the families um from the bronco families who who you know it takes them back i mean it's a different group of people that you know is um more people who are a little more senior i guess that way but but it still kind of takes you back to those feelings of grief and loss and and it's at those times that you realize again it's so important to have those people around you who can support you and and you can help them in whatever way as they're dealing with the the loss that they're feeling Mm. Yeah. You brought up a lot of good points there, you know, about the judgment that sometimes comes with, you know, we can't judge um, people's losses and how they're feeling about, you know, some people that lose a pet and it's devastating, you know, it's, and, and we judge, you know, there's oftentimes we judge that too. And so, you know, I like that you've brought up the fact that we all mourn, we, we all need to mourn um, in order to, to heal from our grief. We need to do that. And we need to acknowledge that everyone um, have that opportunity. And so that's, that's such a huge point. Is there anything else, you know, um, <laughs> You've got so much wisdom to share, but is there anything else um, that you would like to share with the community about grief advice? Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the things that um, one of the things that I realized through this uh, as well is just um, the connection to faith 
to God, whatever you deem that um, that uh, entity to be in in your own personal life. I think that's that's another place where there's a great deal of um, of solitude and, and grounding that we find in in our faith, and that uh, it has been very um, powerful and also. Um, I guess I use the term grounding a fair bit, but in a lot of ways, it's really sort of brought a lot of things home for me in, and, and it may be the same for you. I don't know, Angela, but um, I'll just share a story with you Yeah. that um, I was supposed to be, I, I, there's a, a funeral at 11 o'clock in the morning of one of our former students who had just taken his life. Uh, this was, just a few weeks after, uh, or a week, I guess a few weeks after the accident, there was a, a going to be an event in Saskatoon. You may remember, uh, some might remember the fact that it was a, um, uh, it was a country music concert that they put on to raise funds to help support the families and and that sort of thing. It was at Sask Place, and my billet family parents were flying in um, that evening and they were going to be in about 4.30. And I was supposed to be in Saskatoon at that time. And uh, I remember uh, that I had this funeral at 11 o'clock in the morning and um, I was in my bed and, uh, and, and everything had sort of transpired with the, the number. I'd been to 13 of the um, Bronco players uh, and and family um, uh, celebrations of life, and um, and so uh, I think what I realized now was that you know after you are over functioning so much that and just trying to deal with things, eventually it just takes its toll on you, and and I was wanting to be at this funeral, but eleven o'clock in the morning passed. And I was still on my host coat, laying on my bed. And I don't remember much of that day, Angela, but I remember that at um, about uh, five o'clock, just just a little before five o'clock, I got a phone call and it was, Kevin, where are you? You know, I was supposed to be in Saskatoon. Mm. And, um, uh, you know, Lucans are here. What, where, where are you? And. I was laying in my bed in my house coat and uh, and from the time the tragedy happened um, till that day, which was, like I said, about two and a half weeks, I had not been in my basement. I'd not been downstairs. I don't know why, but that's where Connor's room was. And, uh, and, and I hadn't been down there. And so um I, I said I remember saying something to the effect that yeah I'll, I'll be there as soon as I can. Well, you need to get here. Like we're going to go out for supper and all these types of things. Um, I hadn't packed. I was supposed to stay overnight, and we were we had some events that uh, that Thursday night, and then Friday was the concert. And um, uh, I probably would have still been in my bed. But all of a sudden, there was this beep that went off, and it got me up, and I 
So I went out to, I listened about a minute later, it went off again. And it sounded like a fire alarm, but I wasn't sure. Like it just was like a fire alarm maybe that had, and in fact it was. Um, I went into the kitchen and uh, and I listened at the top of the stairs and sure enough, it was coming from my basement. And um, I it was at that time that I then uh, ended up going down into my basement for the first time since uh, Connor's passing. And I listened and, and then found out it was a, it was a, uh, it was actually a, a fire alarm that, that uh, was an electric one. And they go every 10 or so years. And it just happened to go on that day at right around five o'clock or just a little after five o'clock and got me out of my bed, got me downstairs. I then for the first time went into Connor's room and uh, laid on his bed for a while and kind of had my time, you know, with, with being able to say what I needed to there. And I bounded upstairs after that. And I was in Saskatoon by just a little, little after seven o'clock or a little after seven fifteen, I guess it was. So it kind of speaks to finding those places. We need to remember that, um, that there will be things that will happen. And I, and I ask this of you too, there'll be things that happen like that, that kind of take us back to, well, you know, there's, there's this power that's around us, this, this energy, and um, it continues to be there. And it still is to this day. There are times when I know that um, other people in my life, Connor are reaching out to me in different ways. And that, uh, whether you know it's through God and 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 whatever we deem that uh, entity to be in our own lives, um, it's something that we need to look for, and we find and we do find in our top in our difficult times too. Um, I remember when I stepped down from the Broncos. It was just prior to that that uh, Connor's mom talked about there. You know she'd had a reading and and there was a a uh, she talked about a some sort of an electric device that heats things up that went on the fritz. And that when it comes back on, Connor wants you to know he's there. Well, in her own home, she didn't know what that was about, but in her own home, she, you know, there's nothing that she could think about, but in our house, my just, just um, in, uh, in June, um, my microwave stopped working. It was a new microwave or pretty new microwave and it just stopped working. You'd, you'd hit start and it, you know, it wouldn't heat anything up. So it was powered, but it wouldn't heat anything up. So I, I knew that eventually I'd have to get one, but in that time from there till, till the end of August, when we had our, our first meeting and I stepped down as the president stayed on the board, but needed to step down as a president. Um, it was at that time that I recognized that, uh, um, just what, just a little bit more about that power, because what happened was that night or that next day, um, Connor's mom was coming to Humboldt and she was going to be at our house. She was staying with us and, uh, the Stanley cup was going to be in Humboldt. And so this was right toward the end of August and, and, uh, right around the 25th, I think is in my head. But anyway, what happened was, um, I, uh, our meeting, our first board meeting 
with with a brand new board and a full board for the first time in a lot of years. Um, we were we we went till close to midnight, and uh, I didn't get home until after midnight, and I hadn't eaten supper, and so I went into the fridge and and there's a plate of food, and I just automatically pulled it out and put it in the microwave, and I hit you know a couple minutes and I hit start, and I was just you know not thinking of anything, and then lo and behold. Um, I, I stopped the microwave and I pull out the plate and it almost feels warm. And I just shouted and asked, you know, when, when did you put this in the fridge? Oh, about eight o'clock. And I said, well, the fridge is broken. So I went in the fridge and no, everything was cold. So I went back and I hit start again on the microwave and I let it run for another minute or two. And my food was hot and the microwave started working again. And, and literally that day, Robin was going to be at, at her house. She was flying in and we were picking her up and she was coming to her house. And so, you know, it's those types of messages and things that happen in our lives that we recognize that, you know, there's that energy and those, you know, that is around us. And, and uh, whatever we perceive that to be, it's important that we hold on to that too, Angela, and that uh, we recognize that it's there and it's, it's part of our journey and helps us in our in our, our grieving processes and and in helping us um, uh, you know find the strength to continue to live every day and to and to do it in a way that is uh, is honoring and respectful of those who we have in our lives who have, who are no longer with us and so that is something that I, I certainly hold on to those those types of memories. And there are many more that I could share, but those types of memories that were very powerful and certainly um, spoke deeply into my heart about the importance of, of my relationship with my faith and uh, what it means to me. Wow. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that story. Yeah. And there are so many of those that, you know, people in grief and, and it does it, it makes a huge difference having that faith and that understanding and something bigger than ourselves. And, and yeah, so thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate it. And I, and I really appreciate you taking the time today um, because I think it's going to help a lot of people to just hear the wisdom that you're sharing. So thank you so much. Well, I think um, first of all, I thank you and, uh, and the work you were doing. I know that you spent a lot of years in education and and uh, retired as a principal in in uh, down south and and now doing this you know uh, and and continuing your learning and and developing your ability to help others in so many ways and and I want you to know there are so many who have helped me through my through my processes of of grieving and and dealing with loss and and so. Um, you know, if there's a little bit that people take from this that uh, can help them in some way, I certainly am grateful for that. But, but I again, I am so grateful for the, all those who um, continue the important work of helping and recognizing that when people are mourning, when they're going through grief, when they're experiencing loss, that or when they when they're experiencing loss of of someone else that may or may not be close to them, just recognizing that you know, people need support and that we can find it in, in relationship and, and in working, uh, having, uh, reaching out and finding avenues for us to, to, um, 
you know, find the strength and, and that sort of thing that people, um, there are people that can help with that significantly. And so um, I certainly have been very appreciative of this opportunity to share a little bit with you and, and to learn and grow and, and I'll continue on my path and I know uh, others will as well. And so if there's ever anything that I can add in any small way, I certainly am willing to do that as well as I know so many have helped me. And just today, again, you've, and through our conversations, you've also done the same for me. So thank you for that. Yeah, well, you're so welcome and thank you. And um, thanks for everybody who's been listening and um, we'll see you in the next podcast. Thank you for joining us in this episode of the Awaken Your Soul's Journey podcast. We hope that you have found solace, understanding, and inspiration as we explore the information and wisdom that will help you move forward on your own journey. I want to express my deepest gratitude to my special guests, experts, and you, the listener. Thank you for sharing your stories and wisdom. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, please reach out. Make sure you hit like and subscribe. The Awaken Your Soul's Journey community is here to support you. Sign up for my newsletter at www.healingenergy.world or check out the links in the description below. Until we meet again, may you find peace, healing, and transformation on your own unique path. Sending you lots of love. Bye for now.